Hello everybody and welcome back. It is Wednesday and I am super excited to be back with all of you after taking two weeks off. Wellness Wednesday inspiration was definitely missed and I am still catching up on the past episodes. Dr. Linda Marquez, how are you doing today? Good, good. And welcome back. It was, it was kind of like having salt with no pepper. <laughs> right. peanut, butter, peanut butter sandwich without the jelly. So, oh, <laughs> you, but I'm glad you're back because it's always it's always fun to catch up and we both have so much going on in our life. So mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you're back. But tell us a little bit what's been going on because I haven't had a chance to really chat with you, but you were doing a lot of trainings and exciting things happening. Yeah, no, it's pretty exciting. I'm busy. I am doing events left and right. I am, I was asked to participate on writing a book. So I am in the process of writing a chapter for a book. Uh, I have to submit my, my draft by Friday. So I've been busy at work with typing and just doing everything just staying busy, but doing, getting the message out there and, you know, getting more exposure and getting into different platforms. So super excited. And also, of course, looking for different topics and opportunities to bring to the audience on Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. Super excited to bring the topic for today. It's a topic that I've been wanting to talk to the audience about for the longest of time, because I'm getting a lot of questions about it from my own patients in my mm -hmm. practice. So I'm super excited and, uh, of course, excited to be back. Yeah. And the topic for today is let's talk about medical marijuana with expert Ana Oliveira, Oliveira, right, RN. Super excited to have another nurse on the show as well. I think she's our second nurse uh, guest, right? Yes. Yep. Second, second one. The first one we had was on the GI where it was kind of bummed. It was cut in and out, but I think it, mm -hmm. having Anna, I'm excited as well about this topic because I often get asked, you know, people are asking me questions. What are your thought on that? I so, said, you know, honestly, uh, I told people try it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but now I really want, we're going to get into, into the why, you know, how does it work? The details kind of like we say medical marijuana 101, just the, the basics. And um, I think uh, we're going to learn a lot, both of us, but yeah. uh, our audience and, and you know, we're just going to move forward with this. So I'll go ahead and bring her and introduce her if that's all right. And um, so excited. Thank you all for joining us. We have Anna. I hope I don't chop her chop up her last name because a lot of people do this with mine. Oliviera. I hope that's correct. If, if Anna's nodding her head in the back there. But like you said, Anna is uh, an RN. Actually, she has 25 years of experience as an OR nurse and working in pain management. So that's a pretty intensive, um, you know, intensive job to have, as you know that. So Anna now is kind of venturing off on her own and working primarily with women because like us, she wants to empower women. She specifically wants to do this with fibromyalgia, chronic pain, but going beyond traditional prescription medication so they can experience, you know, a better life, have more joy in their life, 
better quality of life. And just like us, she wants people to be the best version of themselves because who doesn't want to be that? And so some of this includes with what she's doing is massage, yoga, herbal remedies, and even medical cannabis. She's also the founder of Zenergy HQ. That's where she has, um, it's, she hosts retreats there and they're all focused on wellness. So that's really cool. I think we need to go, I think we need to go hang out with her. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna have to <laughs> make, it a, make it a trip. All right, let's bring Anna into the show. I am super excited. Anna, how are you doing? Hi, ladies. I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here, too. This is awesome. Yay. Yes. Anna, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself in your own words, please? Um, well, I've um, always been interested in helping people. That's why I became a nurse. And working within the medical model, I realized that some things we do really, really well. We're really good at putting back the pieces when people are in an acute situation um, where they really need that um, intensive support. But I think we're missing the mark with helping people with chronic conditions, both preventing them and managing them. So that's where I started getting interested in exploring alternative ways to help people live a better life, um, manage chronic illnesses um, so that they are able to get off of prescription medications or use them more sparingly because there's a time and a place for medication um, and there's also a time and a place to start looking at alternatives lifestyle um, and what we're putting into our bodies the kinds of thoughts that we have about ourselves and about our health and to just be able to find different ways to live and still you know work with our doctors and have that overall um, balance of working with the team to take care of you was there something that happened that like there's usually a significant event that happens in a person's life or a loved one that will kind of venture off to more kind of venturing from traditional medicine to something more alternative? It's like seeking more. So did something happen that you were like, there's got to be a different way? Not a particular really strong sentinel event, but. I think just experience when rounding on my pain patients um, and seeing my chronic pain patients have a big difficulty after uh, surgery just because they're used to taking large amounts of pain medications. And then after mm -hmm. surgery, you're going to need even more. And as a medical model and nurses and doctors, we weren't meeting their needs. We weren't covering their pain. And it, it was just agonizing sometimes rounding, you go into that patient's room and you think, oh, this is gonna be so hard because we can't give them any more narcotic and you can tell they're hurting and what else can we do and how can we prevent people from presenting to the hospital for an elective surgery when they're already on huge doses of narcotics. So I think it was just me thinking about that and then realizing that um, I've lost coworkers, um, I've lost friends and family um, because of medication. Um, I've had some coworkers who have lost because of addiction problems and even properly using um, narcotic medications, they've lost their lives. And it's just really heartbreaking working alongside people and seeing that, yes, we need pain medication, but um, the way we're using it, over-prescribing it, um, using it inappropriately can really lead to problems. And that's, I think that's something that's kind of led me down the alternative path of what else can we do? There has to be something, pain is a human experience. Um, you know, we can't have a pain-free life, but there has to be ways that we can learn to manage our pain better than using those really, really strong and potentially dangerous medications. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit about marijuana? What is it? Um, sure. So marijuana has been a plant that has been enjoyed by humans for centuries. It has been in most every culture. Um, it has numerous benefits. Um, we're now recognizing the benefits both um, medically as a plant medicine, as well as the hemp plant being used for fiber and industry and clothing. And, and there's so many different things that we can do with the plant itself. It's just a, an amazing plant. And because for so many years it was considered a schedule one, which was we're not allowed to do any research on it. It was considered dangerous with no benefit at all. Um, we've lost a lot of valuable time in doing some really great research and finding ways that this plant, we can work with it again and that we can be out in the open and that it can be used um, and enjoyed. Um, some people like to use it recreationally, just like we've enjoyed using grapes and hops and et cetera to make alcoholic beverages to relax and unwind. It's part of our culture. Um, I think um, the cannabis plant has also been part of many, many cultures worldwide and that it's being starting to be accepted again, that we can use it both recreationally when appropriate and also use it medically when appropriate. So I'm just excited about the research that's now starting to happen. Other countries like Israel are ahead of us in the game with research. They um, are actually implementing the use of cannabis in nursing homes to help people um, improve their appetite, to improve their quality of life, decrease their pain, they're sleeping better. Um, so there's a lot of ways that we can use this plant to improve our quality of life. So it's considered a psychoactive, but there's different, isn't it, is that just dependent on the dosage? Because you know, a little bit of what I read and I don't know a whole lot about, that's why you're here to <laughs> help us get our heads on straight with this. But, you know, there's, you've heard of hemp, which tell people buy hemp hearts, you can eat that. Um, people make you know, clothing out of hemp. And we, we think about hippies, you know, that are when we equate to marijuana, right? It's just like, oh, they were smoking pot in the 70s and they were wearing their hippie clothes and so forth. But but that was more like, I don't know, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's almost like there's two different types of culture, or I don't know if it's cultivation, but you have hemp and then you have THC and one, one actually does impact you um, you know, it is a psychoactive or are they both psychoactive and it's just the dosage? And I mean, um, because they come from different parts of the plants, is that correct? Yes, so there's um, the cannabis sativa, the cannabis indica. Um, there's also federally legal hemp. The 2018 um, hemp bill allows farmers now to grow hemp for seed, CBD and for fiber. And that by definition has less than 0.3% THC. And THC is the cannabinoid that causes the psychoactive effect. Um, there are over a hundred different kinds of cannabinoids in the cannabis plant. So there are, THC is the main one and I'm sure everybody's heard of CBD. Those are the two, the leaders right now, but they're also discovering different cannabinoids, there's CBG, CBN, CBC, uh, there's just numerous ones that they're just starting now to isolate and study. Um, in addition to all the cannabinoids in the um, cannabis plant, there's also terpenes. And so terpenes are what give the cannabis plant its 
odor. Um, THC and CBD don't have an odor, but the terpenes do, and terpenes are found in all sorts of different plants, basil, lemon. It's that scent and aroma, those um, volatile oils that uh, also have benefits. So when you combine the THC and the different CBC, CBDs, and the terpenes, that gives a whole synergistic effect of the plant. Um, so these terpenes are also considered medicinal in the plant. So it depends on your psychoactive reaction. Can you hear me, Dr. Linda? I can hear Anna. Rose. I think it's Anna, right? Yes, it's got to be her. Okay. I, I wanted to make sure it wasn't my connection. It's pretty interesting what she's uh, talking about hemp and uh, THC because we see more and more that uh, CBD oil, it's being. Anna, you're back. I don't know what happened. We <laughs> lost you there for a second. Yeah. I was just telling Dr. Linda that it's pretty, pretty amazing that you're explaining about CBD and THC, the difference, because we see now everywhere CBD oil and you know all these things are being literally sold everywhere. They're not legal and you know it's so common nowadays. And there's also a lot of research that is being done about whether or not. CBD has the medicinal effects that THC does, right? What's your what's your take on that? Do you think that CBD on its on its own is as efficient as effective as TSH? Yes, CBD um, really does have a lot of health benefits. Um, one major example that I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with is treating um, childhood seizures with a medication called Epidiolex, and that is CBD. So those are very high doses of CBD that help manage um, childhood seizures that are not managed by any other medication. Um, there's, there's numerous benefits that they're finding with CBD. So when you think of the human body, our bodies have more receptor sites in them than any other type of receptor that is um, geared towards connecting with THC and CBD. And the reason is that all vertebrates have endocannabinoid systems. So we actually produce our own cannabinoids in our body. Um, think of it as when you run, the runner's high, that's actually being attributed to our own personally produced cannabinoid. So we have an endocannabinoid system and that endocannabinoid system connects with all the other systems in the body, your immune system, your nervous system, um, your digestive system, your mood. So all those different cells have receptor sites that are eagerly ready to um, attach to those cannabinoids, whether you're introducing them from outside from a plant source with the cannabis plant, or you're supporting your own cannabinoid system by exercising, eating healthy, omega-3s, um, decreasing your stress, your body produces cannabinoids. And the reason it does that is because it helps either upregulate how a cell works or to downregulate how a cell works. And it just creates homeostasis, a balance in the body. And our bodies really thrive on being balanced. And so when things are out of whack, our cannabinoid system that we produce internally 
knows to interact with the cells and to help regulate it down, to calm your mood, to improve your sleep, to improve your digestion. And it creates that state, and you've heard of the rest and digest, um, sleep, that kind of thing. That's the state that your body wants to be in naturally, that calmer state, um, rather than the fight or flight stress state. That serves its purpose when it's needed, but we need to get back into balance. And that's what our own endocannabinoid system does. But there are times when our stress or our diet um, or other medical reasons, or as we age, our ability to produce enough of our own cannabinoids diminishes. And that's why supplementing with other cannabinoids, whether it be THC, CBD, CBG, those will help restore that balance again in our body. So they're finding that by having people use CBD now, which you can find in so many places, it actually is treated like a supplement. You just take a little bit every day. It helps with your anxiety. It can help with your digestion, your sleep, your pain, inflammation, your immune system. Um, there's just overall general health and wellness that it's a supplement that, you know, especially as we get older, we should be supplementing with that since we're not getting enough out of our diet. We're under a lot of stress, especially nowadays, and we have a lot of inflammation in our bodies. So using CBD, I think, can be very beneficial if you're finding well, the right population. I had a quick question because just like we have receptor sites for thyroid and estrogen, um, we have receptor sites for this, the whole endocannabinoid system. And you also had mentioned that it, it's been given to kids for seizures. Is that what you were saying for seizures or? Yes. Okay. How is it, how is it impacting that? Because I'm still not a little, I'm still a little confused with that because I'm just trying to like get up. I, I learned with pictures and like examples and stories and kind of like, I know it's just kind of like there's docking sites. I kind of explained it to patients. Like you have a docking site that you have um, a, a thyroid receptor site that's there and it's waiting to, you know, grab that, that thyroid um, hormone. So you're saying that the endocannabinoid system, I mean, there's also docking sites or receptor sites. How, do, how does it know what to do, whether to upregulate or downregulate? Does it work like an adaptogen? Uh, yes, and they're still learning about that whole process. So these, there's CB1 receptors that are more predominant in your brain and spinal cord, and CB2 receptors are more predominant in your skin, your peripheral organs, your immune system. And so these um, receptor sites, they sit on right close to the synapse of the nerve. So as the nerve impulse is firing, if it's overactive, the CB receptor knows to interact with that nerve and neuron to either downregulate it or upregulate it to help create that balance. So, I mean, the human body is amazing. I don't know how it figures out what to do with that. And I know they're still doing a lot of research to understand how does all this work in our body and the different, they're even discovering different receptor sites besides the CB1 and CB2 that they're actually kind of labeling CB3 receptor sites that reside along the spinal cord. Uh, so there's, um, there are just so many different things that they're discovering about it that I don't think that the, all the research is out about it yet of how it works, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. I love that they're still learning about it, which means you know, there's amazing options that we can do once we start to learn more about it. You know what I find very interesting, Anna? When I was, I'm a nurse practitioner. 
And when I was going to school as a nurse and getting my degree as a nurse practitioner, you learn about the cardiovascular system and you you learn about the nervous system and you work about the lymphatic system. And you don't, but you, I never learned about the endocannabinoid system. It was never in any book. Exactly. It was never in any lessons. It was never in any classes. It was never mentioned. And it wasn't until I was I had the same situation with my patients. You know, I have patients from Norco and fentanyl and all these medications. And I'm like, okay, what else can I do for you aside from like killing you with these drugs? And I started looking into CBD first. And then I started looking into medical marijuana next. And that's when I started learning about this system, the endocannabinoid system. I was like, what? How do I never know this? I mean, yeah. how? You know, it's it's mind blowing to me. Yeah. Now, one thing, and this is uh, going to be towards Helio, which is someone in the audience who posted a comment about too bad that I can use medical marijuana because he has a CDO license. My question to you is, Anna, would someone that has a CDO license that is unable to use THC products, would they be able to use CBD without any concerns? Yes, you um, you don't need a card or um, need a special permission to use CBD product, but you should always communicate with your doctor because um, CBD can interact just the way it's metabolized through the liver. It can interact with other medications because medications use the same pathway of breaking down in the liver as the CBD or THC. So it is good to communicate with your doctor and let them know that you would like to take it and they can research and tell you, or a medical cannabis nurse like myself, which a lot of doctors don't really want to talk about cannabis. Uh, it's a schedule one, they're worried about their DEA licensing. It's not something they're comfortable with and they haven't learned about the endocannabinoid system in med school. So it's, it's still them coming around to, you know, they want to see where's the research, where's the research. And there is plenty of information um, but because research has been banned for so long, we don't have a lot that we can just drop a, a research paper in their lap and go, here you go. Um, but, you know, reaching out to a medical cannabis consultant like a nurse can help you understand the dosing and the proper use and being aware of how it interacts with medications such as a blood thinner, a blood pressure medication. If you're diabetic, you need to be careful with those things. So like any supplement, you have to use common sense. You don't want to overindulge. You want to make sure that you are keeping your doctor informed because there's interactions. So, but otherwise I believe it's legal to use CBD in all 50 states. However, I think there are a couple states that are not, um, they're not really on board with people using CBD, but I, the majority of the states, yes. And as per the THC with medical cannabis, especially since this last election, we have a few more states on board with either starting a medical only or a medical and recreational cannabis program. So eventually, you know, we're going to get hopefully all the states on board to have some type of uh, medical marijuana program so that people can have access to the plant and start using it. And then we can start learning more and understanding the more people that are using it and talking about it, the better knowledge we're going to have, the more comfortable we're going to be and the more benefit we're going to start to see. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a website that people can go to to find out, hey, is this legal? I mean, you know, is this legal in my state? Because like, if you're looking up a nurse practitioner and where she's licensed and so forth, you know, can they do that? Can people that are 
kind of considering this? Is there like a main website that you can refer there to? Is, there's an amazing organization. It's called Normal, N-O-R-M-L.org. <laughs> and they have a map that's always updated because laws are always changing yes. um, about how much you can possess, um, who can purchase it, um, you know, can you grow it yourself or not? There's, there's, the laws are always changing. So Normal has an interactive map with um, each state, I believe, has a chapter, which is a support group. They are very proactive in lobbying and talking to legislature and enacting and helping write the laws and having input on how cannabis is going to be accessed by the main population. So the normal.org is a great website that would keep you um, up to date on, are you legal in your state? Um, do you need a medical cannabis card or not? And plenty of other great resources. So I, that's, that would be my first place I would go to if you're living in another state and you're interested in, in finding out if you can access it and then decide if you need a medical cannabis card or not. And then you can get help with where do you go first? Usually your um, your state department of health will have a listing of, there's some states limit who can have access to a medical cannabis card based on your diagnosis. So some diagnoses like anxiety, PTSD, cancer pain are allowed in other states, you know, maybe pain, but not PTSD. So each state has its own little thing about who's eligible for a medical cannabis card. Anna, that brings me to another question. Who can benefit the most? What conditions, what medical conditions or who can benefit the most out of using medical marijuana? Gosh, there's just so many great diagnoses. I mean, there's people with, um, they're finding it helps with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, uh, seizure disorders, chronic pain. Um, people who are going through cancer and their, their nausea and vomiting and loss of appetite um, can be helped by using a medical cannabis. It can improve appetite and decrease the nausea and vomiting. Chronic pain, fibromyalgia. I mean, it's hard to pick just one. I, anxiety, it's PTSD. There, there are a lot of different reasons when you use it appropriately, um, when you're dosing appropriately, and, and you know, there's different ways to take it. And I mean, smoking people have seen as the most common way to take it, but it's not necessarily the best way because of your lungs. You want to, you know, take care of your lungs. So there are other ways that you can consume cannabis without having to smoke it and that wouldn't create the odor so your neighbors wouldn't know. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that you consume it that would be more pleasant for people around you as well. Is there a time frame as far as for a person to continue to use it or discontinue use it? Because a lot of times it's more like, okay, let's get to the root cause. So mm -hmm. if a person's anxious and there's a situation at home or maybe work or some sort of underlying um, say gut issue, because that can also create anxiety. During this time, is there like whoever's prescribing this, is there some sort of guideline and encouragement of, okay, we're going to use it for only this period of time because I'm sure when you consume it, I don't know how long it, the impact is. If it's like, you know, cause people say, Oh, I'm going to go get high and it helps me relax, you know, but for people that are using it for medicinal purposes, um, you know, is there like a time frame for that? Like you were explaining earlier, like with seizures or fibromyalgia, because there's of course other other origins of those pains as well. Right. So that's 
it's really hard to, um, <clears throat> because each person is individual and their endocannabinoid system can be in various states of, you know, healthy, you know, whether it's a really healthy endocannabinoid system, it just needs a little boost, or if it's really deficient and you need to upgrade it and you have other underlying conditions and root causes, it's usually I recommend that people adjust it. You take the smallest amount to get the benefit. You find that sweet spot of your therapeutic range. You get to know what chemovar works best for you, what terpene profile works best for you, the timing of it. And you, it's usually the patient that is in control of their dosing. If they are in times of extreme stress, they may notice that they actually need to add a little bit more to their dosing. If they're feeling like they're doing a little bit of self taper and actually they are using cannabis to help taper people off of opioids so that they can use them both together and they find that they need a lot less opioids and they can start tapering down. And as they taper the opioids, they can also start to taper the cannabis until they find that spot where their pain is manageable. Um, but you know, it's, it's not like you have to use it forever. Um, everybody's different and it's, it's not that you have to use really high doses either. They find that a lot of people get the best benefit by using smaller doses and um, just being responsible with it because you know, you, you don't want to get yourself in a situation where <laughs> they call it couch lock where you, you just take a lot. It's fine at the end of your work day if you don't have anything else to do, but a lot of people, you know, chronic pain, they want to take medication to help with their pain so they can engage in life activities and they can enjoy their kids and make dinner and go for a walk. And so using those smaller doses to manage your pain and just using it as needed. And um, for some people, it might be a lifetime. If they have chronic pain, they've had major spine fusions, you know, that pain is always going to be that underlying thing in their life, you know, looking at long-term use could be appropriate if they are dosing it in low enough dose and they're able to tolerate their dose and still engage with life and, um, you know, without any kind of side effects. And other people might just need it short term to help with um, situational anxiety or depression that could help just using a little bit until you start dealing with the other issues in your life and then just have it there, just knowing it's there if you need it, but you can kind of wean yourself off of it. So, you know, there's, there's, different thoughts that it's a gateway drug or it's highly addictive and that's not necessarily so i believe it's all about the intent with any kind of medication what is your intent for using it if you keep that intent in mind you're going to be using it appropriately you're going to um, have a better quality of life and you're going to understand its its power its effectiveness and not abuse it so that's my opinion. i think most people would be responsible with that that is that is a, a very good point that it's all about the intent that you have when you start using a medication or something uh, like like marijuana to replace or maybe to to add um to how how would i say to augment maybe the therapy that you're already on right to maximize the effects uh, in regards to we were talking about sativa versus indica, and I am thinking, right, that there's different conditions where sativa may be a little bit more beneficial, maybe indica for some other thing. Is that correct or not necessarily? That, um, there's a lot of debate on that topic because the, the two chemovars have been so interbred that there is not really a true sativa and a true indica anymore. But it typically was that indica was more um, body relaxing, you know, couch lock kind of thing. 
and sativa was allowed you to get on with your day. Um, it's a little more energizing, creative. Um, so they have done double blind studies with people, just small groups, um, and found that if they were told it was an indica, they were more relaxed. If they were told it was a sativa, they reacted appropriately. And because, you know, like I said, there's been so much interbreeding that you would have to, the best way is to have the lab certificate of analysis. That will tell you how much THC is in the product, how much CBD, what kind of ratio balance are you looking for, for, you know, psychoactive versus anti-inflammatory, and then the terpene profile, which they have their own medicinal benefits. So understanding how THC and CBD ratios work on your body and what kind of effect you're going for, and then adding in those terpenes for additional enhancement of the medicine um, and getting familiar with what works specifically for you so that when you know if you go to a dispensary, you're gonna ask for that same recipe again. So plant names come and go, they have all sorts of you know fun names for um, cannabis, but if you are looking at the certificate of analysis on the lab report and you know what your dosage is and percentages and ratios and you get familiar with that, then that's what you go with to help for your specific symptoms and everybody's going to be different with that. And they should provide, the, if you go to a dispensary, they should provide you with that lab uh, report, correct? Yes, yes, it's very important. And because you don't, it also, the lab report should show um, any residual pesticides. You don't want to be consuming a medicine that's contaminated with pesticides. Mm -hmm. Also looking at molds, um, all sorts of other toxins, heavy metals that can be, the plant can uptake from the soil. So a quality product, they, the dispensaries should be proud to show you the certificate of analysis. And if they cannot produce it for you, that's not a medicine that you want to be using. You want to be able to see that your medicine is clean, grown organically, doesn't have any contaminants, and that you can understand what your ratios and percentages are so that you have a consistent medicine. You don't want to be disappointed that it worked for you and then you're out and you go to get it refilled and you've asked for the same, you know, Baba Kush or Chemdog or whatever different names that they have and you get it back and the, the profiles are all different. The chemical profiles are off um, and you're not going to get the same result that you're used to getting. So that's why I always recommend you ask for that lab report. They should be able to produce that for you. And especially with CBD products, you're going to have a lab report, but you should have a QR code on your box and you should be able to scan that and get a third party lab result and know that you're using a clean product. Wonderful. That was my question. Like, how do they know? Because uh, you, they would provide, you would think a dispensary has a good relationship with some other growers and to be able to see the potency and if it's if they're if what they're saying is really what they're giving you is actually there so what about people that you know we're kind of running short on one but this was just a real important question people that require let's say for medicinal purposes because that's what we are talking about and if the state um if the state uh, is issuing they have to get a, a a card a medical marijuana card can they cultivate it for themselves? Are, are there any states that allow that? They may be, hey, I, I want to grow this myself because for the purpose of, you know, maybe expense or, you know, it's something that they want to just work with their own medicine. I mean, I'm, I kind of like to do that with supplements. It's like, okay, I want to design my own line, have my own type of thing that I'm doing. So is, 
can you kind of give us a little guidelines on that or what your thoughts are on, on that? Yeah, I believe there are, I think there are, for recreational growing, there are about nine states that allow you to grow for yourself and medical, there's an additional nine for medical only, but there are, that's where you have to do your research and know because some states just won't let you. Even if you have a medical card, you cannot grow your own. They want full control over the whole product line and have only certain dispensaries available. So you need to know if it's legal in your state, you need to know how many plants you can grow. They have to be out of sight of people, out of reach of children. They have to be fenced. There's a lot of stipulations of how many you can have at any one time. Um, you know, you obviously you can't sell it. So some people grow it and gift it. Um, they're called caregivers. So they ha may have a green thumb. So some states have a caregiver rule that somebody who's good at growing it is allowed to grow enough so that they can share it with that person who needs it for medical and they have to have a medical card and it's all monitored and um, registered and that kind of thing. So you have to be very careful, know your law, don't, don't do anything illegal. <laughs> across state lines because each state has its own rule so you can't grow it in your state and go on vacation and take your own supply to another state that's that is not allowed you have to purchase in the state that you're going to consume it in. you can't be driving it across the border so people need to be aware of that they may think yeah. they're within the law, they've got their card but no you have to wait until you get to that state if you go on vacation and purchase it wherever you go um, just because each state wants full control over what you're consuming with medical cannabis until the rules change again but hopefully that will happen eventually and it'll be federally legal and then people can make up their own minds but <laughs> Anna we are about done with time as time as far time goes we like to do a major three takeaway points um, from you to leave the audience with so major three things or, you know, key three points that you want to leave the audience with for today. Okay. Um, well, if you are considering using medical cannabis, do your research. Reach out to a medical cannabis consultant. There are um, nurses across the country that are continually joining the force of, um, there's American Cannabis Nurses Association. There's a Cannabis Nurse Network. There are plenty of nurses out there and our job is educating and supporting and that's where you'd reach out to a cannabis nurse to help you and guide you with your decision. Work with your doctor. Um, doctors may be resistant, but you are in charge of what goes into your body. And if you're really interested, you know, you can find that research, work with your, your cannabis nurse to help find the research to support so that your doctor's on board, so that you're not taking medications in conjunction with your medical cannabis and creating an unwanted side effect. And, um, if you're going to consume medical cannabis, get the cleanest, you know, get that certificate of analysis, make sure you have a list, you know what the terpene profile is, what the ratios and the, the milligrams, because yes, people use it recreationally, but if you want the best result for your body um, to get that medical quality about it and get relief of your symptoms, um, you know, you need to be aware of all of that. So you want to make sure you don't have contaminants and pesticides and that you're taking something appropriately to get consistent, great results. And less is more. You don't need to take a whole lot. Um, actually, the more you consume, the more chance of unwanted side effects. So just kind of listen to your body and adjust the dose. That's awesome. 
Anything else, Dr. Linda, from your end? Any last questions? Now, actually, one more question for you, and just kind of to end this in a in a positive way. You know, what is one one thing that you are grateful for today? That I'm grateful for? Mm -hmm. Oh gosh, oh, there's so many things. Um, I'm just grateful for my health and that I'm able to teach other people how to be healthy as well. Love That's it. Wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, with that, we are going to go. There's so many other questions that I want to ask. We're going to have to do a part two. Uh, okay. It's been amazing. It's been so informative. I thank you so much, Anna, because I learned so much from product, from medical marijuana. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've had so many questions asked to me as well for my treatment. So I feel more informed, more empowered, and of course, there is always more to learn and more to discover and there's more research coming on and there is so many more things happening and things moving and changing on an almost consistent basis with medical marijuana. But it's a good thing that we're moving in the right direction and that more and more states are opening up and that more research is happening and more things are gonna be coming and more options for our patients. So that's a wonderful thing. And I thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. It was an honor. I really appreciate it. Thank, Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you all next week. Happy Bye -bye. Thanksgiving, everyone.